want all hands on deck, including his chief regional security officer. Hugo swallowed the rest of his coffee and dropped twelve euros on the dish beside his bill. He grabbed a second croissant and stepped out of the café on the Quai de Montebello, humming with the traffic and pedestrians heading to wherever they belonged on a Monday morning. He crossed the street at a stoplight and headed west alongside the Seine, nodding bonjour to the bouquinistes who were setting up their riverside bookstalls for the day. As he did so, his mind inevitably conjured up images of his friend Max, the gruff and grumpy bouquiniste who'd sold Hugo every worthwhile book the American owned, always pretending to steal from Hugo, while in reality giving him each book for a song. Hugo looked down at the Seine as he walked, and watched the barges chug slowly along its edges, leaving the heart of the river for the glass-paneled bateau-mouche, the tourist boats that promised fine views of both sides of the bank, rain or shine. They were like servants, these barges, sliding to one side, making way for their glamorous masters who bore cargo more precious, more immediately lucrative than coal, cloth, and wine. Behind Hugo, the summer sun had crested Paris's highest buildings and warmed the back of his neck, and he welcomed the cool morning breeze that drifted up from the river to accompany him on his walk. He stayed on the left bank until he reached the Pont Royal, which took him over the river to the grounds of the Louvre Museum. It was a frequent walk for him, this morning stroll through the garden of the Tuileries, because it was the one time of the day that he'd see more birds than people especially in the summer. From here, it was less than a mile to his office, and as the trees and grass breathed for the city, this space breathed for him, too. His usually purposeful stride slowed to a genteel stroll, as if a lasting decree from Napoleon himself forbade haste across this hallowed soil. Emma looked up as Hugo walked into the ground-floor offices of the security section of the U.S. Embassy. She was, as ever, gently but perfectly coiffed, wearing an elegant silk blouse that complemented her graying hair, a matching string of pearls around her neck. "'Bonjour, Hugo,' she said. "'Don't bother with your office. The ambassador wants to see you.' "'So early?' "'It's almost ten. I'm on French time. Well, in that case, it's almost ten. Now get going. Hugo winked and started back the way he'd come, taking the stairs up to the third floor where the ambassador had his rooms, including his office. His secretary, tucked behind a petite white desk, waved him in. Ambassador J. Bradford Taylor was standing by the empty fireplace when Hugo walked in. He turned and smiled, and Hugo thought he saw a measure of relief in his face. In temperament, they were very much alike, and so had transcended the master-servant relationship, something Hugo had never been good at in either role, and become friends over the two years Hugo had been stationed in Paris. Physically, however, they could not have been more different. At five feet eight inches, the ambassador had surrendered his physique to the party circuit and acquired a pot-belly that, in recent months, he'd started to caress when deep in thought. Hugo, on the other hand, 
stood a good six inches taller and merely nibbled at the foie gras. As a result, despite his forty-three years, Hugo's shoulders remained markedly wider than his waist, and where the ambassador was bald, Hugo's dark brown hair had done nothing worse than gray a little. In fact, at a dinner at Le Procope a few months back, Taylor had jokingly announced their arrival to some American businessmen by saying, Fatty Arbuckle and Cary Grant are here, prompting Hugo to remind his boss that he was still the ambassador and was entitled to a little extra weight. And respect. Sit down, Hugo. Taylor pointed him to the cluster of chairs to Hugo's left. I believe you know my guest. Hugo started forward, a smile forming. How the hell do you do that? I travel outside your human space-time continuum, Tom replied.